0: That's I-X-L dot com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, Go to transformativeprinciple.org mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. With summer coming up, we principals have a unique opportunity to get a lot of work done with no students and few teachers. If you want to learn a goal-setting program that makes your goals come to life, Go to org and sign up for the email newsletter and get my goal-setting framework that helps me accomplish a lot in a little bit of time. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today I'm going to share with you the top 10 values of many educators up here in Alaska. I took a class on the Principle 50 a book by Baruti Caffelli, which you can go to org and listen to my interview with him, where Mary McMahon, who is the president of the Alaska Association of Secondary School Principals, created a course for us to go over that book and asked us each to come up with our 10 core values. So we have her core values, and we have Ms. Kendra Bart's, Deanna Black's, my core values, Allison Nicholson's, Jerry Schoenberger's, Terry Walker's, and Linda Washington's. So I hope you enjoy this as we listen to the core values of each person. And the real benefit of coming up with your core values is that it helps you define every action you take based on those core values and is a really powerful way for you to examine yourself and make sure that the things that you're doing are actually things that you believe in. And then when something comes along that doesn't align with your core values, you can easily say no to that thing. I hope you enjoy this. Also, if you go to org for this episode, you can see in the show notes a way for you to create your own top 10 values list. As we listen to these top 10 core values, we are going to hear from Mary McMahon first, as she explains kind of how we do the process. Then we're going to hear from Terry Walker, then Jerry Schoenberger, and then... Deanna Beck will be next following Deanna will be my top 10 core values. And finally, Kendra Bart's top 10 core values
1: within the next few weeks. I'm hoping that you'll all be able to have this first assignment done. And the first assignment is going to be to clarify your core values as a leader. And I will share mine tonight with you. And then you'll get an idea of what to do with yours. And this is a presentation that I did at the principal conference in October. I'm going to pull it up real quick um, so I have it in front of me. And basically what I do at the start of every year um, that I've been a principal is I share the top ten things that matter most to me on the very first day with my staff. And as a leader, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to do that, to be very clear about who you are as a leader. And... Um, Todd Whitaker in What Great Principals Do Differently says that great principals establish clear expectations at the start of the year and follow them consistently as the year progresses. And so my question for all school leaders and principals is what matters most to you? And whatever that answer is when you really, you know, identify what matters most to you needs to be shared with your staff so they understand who you are and where you're coming from. And so um, I'll send these questions out on Edmodo after the class so that you guys have this kind of template to be able to reflect on and come up with your own top 10 things that matter most to you as a leader. And then as this class goes on and when you're ready to share, whether you're ready next week or the following week or five weeks in, um, everyone will have an opportunity to share their top 10 um, things that matter most to them as a leader, but I'm gonna share mine tonight. What are you most passionate about as an educational leader? That's that's one of those questions that if we're truly going to be most effective, we have to identify what it is that drives us. What are we passionate about? And then really bring that passion to life. What behaviors? This is one that that I find very um, interesting to reflect upon and important to reflect upon. What behaviors, when exhibited by an employee, would cause you to stop what you are doing to deal with them immediately? and why? What are your non-negotiables? These are the questions that led me to my top 10, and so I'm I'm getting to the point here, but I just want you to be able to think about these. What does the school of your dreams look like? Are you currently leading the school of your dreams? What does the school of your dreams look like, and what are the behaviors of the staff? What matters most to you when it comes to educating our children? And why did you choose this profession? Why did you choose to become a principal or educational leader? Um, I I ask principals this quite regularly because sometimes I run into principals who are feeling like their leadership doesn't matter or they feel bogged down with all the paperwork or mandates or new um, testing, new evaluation, and they've forgotten why they have chosen this profession to begin with And, and, quite frankly, have forgotten how important they are to the school environment that they're in, the, the entire school community. I always say, so goes the leadership, so goes the school. And, and that's pretty much how it goes. Um, so, so then I ask in, in this assignment, write down a couple of your leadership values and what matters most to you. And here's my top ten list. Number one, and, and here's what I do with this list every year, is I reflect on it to see if it currently matches who I am. Because we're growing and changing all the time as human beings and as leaders on a personal and professional level. And so every year I go, does this really fit with who I am right now? Because if it does and I'm leading from this place, then I'm going to be more effective at what I do because what my actions are going to match up with what I value most. And so number one, um, I share this with staff on the first day because first seen or heard is best remembered. And I want staff to know exactly where I come from as their school leader, new and um, returning staff. Number one, we treat students with respect at all times. Number two, adults model respect to students by treating one another with respect at all times. Number three, we work as a team everyone pitches in. And I'm, I'm very much about the team that we have to work together and figure out how we're gonna provide the best service possible to our students in working together with a common goal, a common mission, and articulate and clearly understand who we are and what our brand is. And that's part of this book we're gonna be talking about, which is exciting. Um, Number five, we keep success within reach for all students at all times. Number six, we are here each day to make good things happen for young people. Um, Number seven, when we don't know what to do, we ask for support, and we are supported in taking risks to reach the hard-to-reach kids. Um, I tell staff that we have the power every single day to change lives, and we can't waste that. We can't waste a day. I mean, every single day could be that day that we say the right words, we do the right thing to a student in a way that changes their life. And so we have to realize how incredibly important the work we do is and capitalize on that every single day. Um, Number eight, we are positive and solution-centered and we have fun together. Nine, we celebrate one another. We point positive on our colleagues and our school. I used to um, worry about sometimes we'd be at a staff meeting and I would point out something positive that someone on the staff did. And I would worry about You know, in my not that I worry too much about what people think, but I thought, ooh, if I point this out, is someone else going to be offended that I missed them for some other um, positive thing they did? I can't get it all, and I just told our staff. I said it's so important that we be positive on one another and we celebrate one another's success that we are going to do it as much as possible, and that's unhealthy thinking for me to think, oh, I can't do it for this person because someone might be offended. So we have to get away from that unhealthy thinking and really focus on all the good that we do for kids. And we're going to help each other because if I don't see it, you're going to see it, and we're going to take the time to really um, celebrate the work that we do because we're working hard. And number ten, we engage our school community in positive ways. Um, One of the things that we've done here that we've sort of been a lighthouse for is we've done, um, for eight years now, we've done regular instructional tours where we have teachers and myself go into classrooms together to analyze and look for evidence of great teaching and then talk about that when we leave and share that information with our staff and with the person that we observed. And we've gotten to a point where we have such a safe and trusting environment here that we've been able to invite school board members into the classrooms with us, invite um, other leadership teams from other schools, and private sector, private business members from our community to see truly what's happening in schools, so that we can change the public, perc- the perception of public education. That if we have community key community members coming into our classrooms and seeing that what we do is at such a high level. That they will then be more vested and supportive of what's happening in our schools when it comes to you know these big decisions that are happening right now in our state with funding um, is education a priority? Well, as long as what we're doing in in schools is what is best for kids and the growth of our um, communities, then yes, it's going to be something that's a priority for everyone. So we're we're really looking at changing public perception by bringing the community in. So those are my top ten. I will share on the site right after class the worksheet that it's just a one-page, you know, questions, and then for you to come up with your own top ten. And then when you're ready to share, I'll just give everyone an opportunity each week to say who's ready to share their top ten list with us and explain why it's their top ten list, Um, and then we'll take about ten to fifteen minutes per person to share that top ten when um, everyone's ready. In, in the meantime, I'm going to post the first five questions on Edmodo, and I just want you to re- hit reply and answer them before the next class on Monday of next week. Okay. So with that, I think I covered everything, and I want to give everyone. I'm going to do just kind of a round check-in for everyone before we close the class for tonight.
2: Actually, I uh, rushed in here after our meeting, and, and I did type the top ten list for me. So I'm not Oh perfect. Sure so you could just post- copy it and paste it or post it on Edmodo. And that's what I did was typed it right into Edmodo. Oh good. I didn't look yet. Okay, awesome. So um I, I didn't really have a particular order. I think that would have took me a, a lot more time to uh it's really hard for me to say what order they would be in, you know, because I, I stress out a lot of these uh on a daily basis, if not weekly basis. The first one is that every student has the right to learn. And um and I stress this mostly with um with other students who are disrupting the learning process in in the school, in a classroom, causing a hard time for the teacher. And, uh, and I, I tell them, you know, when I pull them out of class, I, I let them know that if you're disrupting learning, then that's, and taking up the teacher's time, then that's, um, taking away the learning from other students. And you're taking away their right that they have to learn. And, and, and also your right to learn. And, and so, um, I, I, Stress that with with kids, like I said. Um, Anytime you have questions, feel free to jump in. And that every student has the right to feel safe. Again, this is uh, a big thing for me um, with the safety issue, um, that they should know that when they come to school that they're going to be safe, you know, physically, emotionally, socially, you know, in in all areas and, and I guess what goes along with that is, is the next one to ensure the environment, the environment is a happy one. So that, you know, that the students are greeted, you, you know, staff members are out in the hall greeting students as they come through the door. I'm in the cafeteria in the morning, uh, saying good morning to, um, everyone that I can, you know, um, making personal conversations with students, and then as they're going down to class, I have a school of about 190 students, uh, pre-K through 12th grade, two halls, one is a 7th through 12th grade hallway, and the other one's the elementary hallway, but I'm down the hallway um, as the students are walking to class, and um, I don't sing to them every morning, but I do um sing my uh morning mes- message um at least once a week um twice a week sometimes uh I'm not sure if I shared it with you uh the good morning good morning good morning is such a beautiful day and their response to me is supposed to be for learning and then I'll say I didn't hear you and I'll sing it to them again and and they need to yell out for learning you know it's a good day for learning so that's the expectation today and um I will go classroom to classroom and, and reinforce that but you know it's it's try to be happy and and try to make the key- Feel safe here.
1: I can just see your dimple. I, I've seen you so many times before, but as you're talking and singing that song, I can just see your cute dimples. You know, as the kids are just lighting up as you start their day. I love it. I love that you sing to them because there's that instant happiness that is, you know, comes from music like that.
2: Yeah, everybody loves to sing. So, I am mean, not really yeah. love to sing, but they like to at least hear they hear it. So, yeah. yeah. Well thank you um, and that you know everyone is treated with respect, you know I just it's it's got to be a two way street if you expect respect, then you need to be respectful and you know the adults in the building know that you know it's more of a message you know for kids and and that the uh five is the expectation for hard work and perseverance, and um six. Um, more for staff is that everything we do, it's what's best for kids. Is it best for kids? When we start de- making decisions for what needs to happen, um, we, you know, that's a, a question that's thrown out. Well, is it best for kids um, on on a whole for most of them? Um, and as I walk around, are the students challenged and engaged in learning? Are you know are they sitting up in their learning positions? Are they following along with the teacher um, are they doing what they're supposed to do? What is the teacher doing to engage them um, I, I, you know I watch out for things like that and um for uh you know the middle high school really has a Atmosphere than than the younger kids, so I, I talk a lot in in the, those classes. I go from class to class, and I have five of them every morning. Um, so it's real quick in and out, three to five minutes. You know, whatever we I see is the most issues throughout that the day, or for throughout the week, or the last month. You know, like. It was there for a while, a couple weeks ago, that I had to go into the 11th grade class and say, now, do I, how, do I need to take cell phones this morning? You need to give them to me because you're not pulling them out during class. You know, if you can't Control yourself and keep them in your pocket, and I need them now. Going into the ninth grade class, delivering the message about how to be respectful to others. And if someone falls, what's the first thing you do? Laugh at them or ask them if they're okay. So, you know, I I know the school so well and the students so well that I deliver different messages to them every morning. Um, And then... um, Eight, that every student has the opportunity to feel successful and that they're recognized for their successes. So I I ask teachers to let me know what those successes are for individual students so I can see when I see them the next day. Um, It's important to go to their events. Basketball is a big thing for us. It's important to go and to watch them you know play their basketball game or watch their um, battle of the books competitions or or whatever so that you can get one on one with them the next morning or the next week and 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 recognize their successes and that really makes them beam and and uh and they do better um, and also you know for teachers number 9 find the strengths that each student has and build on them and then um, and a message for everyone, number 10, that everyone has a responsibility to the community and to give back. Uh, one of our Inupiaq values in the Nana region is responsibility to tribe. And i got T-shirts made that said responsibility to the tribe. And on the back side, it says the community working together. I think... For years and years, we pushed parent and community involvement and um and trying to get teachers in i mean parents in and the community in and come to the school and help us out and and um began to start thinking that you know this is really a two way street. How can our students get out there and go and help out in the community where you know a small community of five hundred people. And they're always needing help out there, so I push for our students to to um, go out into the community and do work and help out where they can in the communities. So hopefully one day, you know, it could be a two-way street that we're helping each other out more. So those are my top ten.
3: Okay, I'll just start from the top. Uh, you know, the first one... And I didn't know quite how to phrase it, but this balance tough love and with earned praise, which I have to say um was something that I learned along the way um you know it was kind of like lessons learned as you uh, become a principal and realize that um maybe things aren't going quite as well as you had hoped they would be um, anyway, this idea. You know, that you can't be a pushover, but that means just not letting people get by with mid-level, you know, standard. I mean, that you really do need to have high expectations and that you as the leader of the building have to model that. So part of that modeling, um, by having high expectations, you're going to have to probably – intervene um, sometimes and talk to people, have serious conversations about them not having, you know, that they need to set the bar higher and that you expect more from them and that this may cause hurt feelings, but in the end um, they appreciate it. And that was another thing that I learned is that people, uh, staff, appreciate um somebody who does have high expectations, and it expects the most from every one of their staff. Um, if you don't, if they don't see that in you, um, then they're not going to perform at their highest level either. So um, that was one, and like I said, that was something that I learned um, along the way fairly early, but um, n- nevertheless. Um, the second one, um, being fair and consistent, and... As you know as a building principal, you have zillions of decisions that you have to make all the time, and that there's a lot of actually gray area and that's what I try and teach my students in my program is that there's no handbook for being a principal, and a lot of time a lot of times my students will want, well, what are we supposed to do next? Well, i say figure it out you know i mean because um, you're going to have to make those decisions so no two cases are ever exactly the same um, but if you're not fair and consistent your staff and your students through the discipline program will see that it'll just it'll be a very uh, evident so i just think you need to be very mindful of that and be very transparent in how you make decisions and why you make decisions. Being an excellent listener, the words, when we started up with the Tribes program at at Riverbend, we had these four agreements, and one was just two words, attentive listening. And being an effective listener is not something that you just tell people to do. It's something that you have to practice. So... We did a lot of um, classroom lessons around what it means to be attentive listeners with, you know, with your eyes and your ears and with your heart. And um, so it's. I just think it's really important. And I think, you know, I think all principals know sometimes you're there when somebody has to vent and um, you're there to be a good listener. And um, anyway, that's a very important value, I think. Being a visionary may seem, there's a lot tied up in that, and I wasn't quite sure how to express that. Um, But in terms of the program that I work with, one of the standards that we work with is that every building level candidate um, needs to be able to create, articulate, and implement a shared vision in their buildings and that vision is also tied to um, school improvement goals which is a hard thing for me uh, I have a lot of students and they say well we don't have school in- we don't need a school improvement plan and I said well that's that's not what I'm talking about I mean I'm talking about being able to assist the needs in your building and then being able to um, set goals based on those needs, and that also has to do with your overall vision of what it is that you want to accomplish as a as a building leader um, every i don 't care how good your school is there's always um, room for improvement, and um, I think that's just an attitude that you need to have um, it's not you know you can 't sit on your laurels. Oh, we've we've reached, you know, what we want to what we want to do and now we can just, you know, sit back. Um, I don't think so. You just need to constantly um have an eye for improvement. And leading by example, I actually had <laughs> I actually had this symbol up in my office. Um it was a picture um of a peace symbol on John Lennon's um grave. Site in New York, and it was, um, it it had to do with leading by example and being, you know, believing what you, um, think is the right thing to do. And as a principal, you're held up in the highest esteem, and you may not know that, but you are. And, um, that was something I actually learned later on, too, is that, you know, people don't necessarily say anything but um they watch you they watch how you talk to people they watch how you interact they watch how you lead and um you know the example i gave about being there in the afternoon when a teacher comes in um you know it's just just one small example but um anyway i think it's part of that modeling um thing and it's um it's very important. The next two are are ones that are not my origin, they're not for me, you know, my original thinking. Um the first one is love your employees, and I came across these actually um from a book that I actually use in one of my classes. It's called The Six Secrets of Change um by Michael Fullen. Um, what the best leaders do to help their organizations um, survive and thrive. And this one, by loving your employees, it it can seem kind of contradictory um, because supposedly the most important thing in our organizations, in our buildings, is for us to be pro-achievement for kids. And... What he's saying is that, um, and I had a, I made a note to myself here because it's, um, I think it's really important. Anyway, he gave some examples of of leaders, and they were superintendents actually that made big changes um, for the purpose of improving student achievement. But those changes actually impacted staff in a negative way, and so. Whatever you do as a building leader, I think your employees, which in the world of business would be your clients or your customers, have to be right at the top um, in your considerations, along with um, student achievement is important. But if you do something, you know, that's going to cause a lot of um, grief (laughs) on your staff, and I, I you just have to keep that in mind that um your teachers are your most important assets in in your buildings and you have to just keep that in the forefront of your mind all the time. So um anyway, that's um love your employees. Connecting peers with purpose. Um this is a second one of his um six secrets of change and he he has these this um, philosophy in the book, he talks about um, loose, tight leadership dilemmas. So in other words, how does an organization balance tight policies and procedures, um, which could be leadership at the top, with loose, less structured interactions to nurture creativity and spontaneity. So I think this is it reminded me of what you were talking about, Mary, with the class and how important last week's class was. And I'm sorry I wasn't able to be here. Um, but having that purposeful interaction with peers is gives value to the whole organization. When effective practices are, you know, openly um, shared, um, when there's monitoring in place, which we do as building leaders to make sure that there's as little ineffective practice as possible, um, and then working in teams as much as possible. So it's just it's just you want to be able to work with your staff in a very purposeful way. So that's what this number two says to me, connecting peers with purpose, um, this kind of positive peer interaction. So I don't know if I have all of mine down here. Another one. So I think my last one was um, taking care of yourself. Um, I don't know if that was my last one. I th- what happened was I got to a point where I was I was principal in a building, and we Jenna was opening up a new school, and I had the opportunity to be the principal at that new school. And so it was taking a lot of my time. There were so many meetings to go to with design and you know, planning for a new school, which was exhilarating, but it was dragging me down, my, my, you know, health wise. And, um, so I made this choice of, of making sure that I went and worked out every afternoon, you know, even though I came back in the evening for meetings. Um, and it made me realize that you have to make time because I felt so much better afterwards that, um, just, Taking that time to take care of yourself is really important. Um, like I said, you, I think your ab- ability to nurture your other staff is weakened if you don't take that time to do that. Oh, I know. Oh, there were there was a couple other ones. Um, the buck stops here for everything. Um, basically, you know, that's what the staff expects. You know, um, I don't know. You know, it depends on what your decision making style is, but. As principal, you take responsibility for everything that happens in that building, and um that's that's the way i that's the way you have to lead i think um, and I think the last one um, being visible and supporting the school vision and mission, and just in general, visibility is just really crucial and again, that was a lesson that I learned shortly. After, along the way, after having some really good training, I turned that visibility, it just, it's just, uh, your staff expects it from you. And, um, for you to be in the classroom as much as possible, whether it's a walkthrough or just walking, just being in, visit, in the building, in the lunchroom, the playground, everywhere. So, um, visibility, I guess I would say, is that, um, core value. And I think that's it.
4: So the first one is related to that we use Maslow's at my school. That's um, so suppose like I of needs. The um, so students are able to learn when their basic needs are met. We do our best every day to, to create a safe and welcoming environment. And that just, again, relates to we make sure that they have their basic needs met so that they can go to that level of learning. Number two is we respect that each student has unique learning needs. We do our best to accommodate each student, provide an environment for success built on their strengths, and that's from my background of I was a special education teacher, and I feel every student has a gift, Um, and so we want to really work on helping them realize they do have that gift. Um, Three is we are here for students. We will do our best for our students at all times, and that's just to, I always have this thing about if you're, you know, as as an educator, you should leave your ego at the door, because if that's what you're here for, this may not be the best profession for you, this really is about the kids. You know, it's kind of a selfless kind of thing that you need to do. Um, four is everyone has a voice and an opportunity to be a leader and everybody is kind of emphasized on that. And so I do this a lot with my teachers especially, but I, I also tell my TAs and my, my classified staff at the beginning of the year and I try to reinforce that with them. But it also goes down to our students and I try to make sure we have opportunities for our students to be leaders in the school um, we do the, the different jobs that students can apply for. Such as we have someone who hands out birthday pencils. We have students who do tours with for new students. Um, we have the student council, so this everybody has a chance to have a voice. Um, so five is we work to understand the perspective of each other, and we'll work together to focus on our common goal of doing what is best for our students. And this goes beyond the staff. This inclu- this also includes our parents, because I think sometimes people forget especially like an IEP meeting or a discipline meeting, that everybody really has the students in mind. We just might approach it differently. And if we focus on the common goal of doing what's best for the student, it often helps with that conversation. the um, so, Six, we include parents and community members to do our best for students. And that's just to kind of emphasize the fact that we do include those that it's not, we're, not in, we're not working in a bubble. We need to, these kids have this life outside of the school. Um, seven is every adult is responsible for leading by example, from greeting others with a smile to ensuring safety. And this goes to or speaks to if you keep telling your child to do something but you don't do it, that really doesn't hold any weight, you need to, you need to do that as well. Eight is take care of yourself so that you're able to take care of others. This includes praying your family before work, and this is something I really emphasize with my staff. Is that sometimes they come to me and let me know that something's going on, and they're really hesitant to take leave or really to you know, to take care of something. And I remind them that they're a mom, a spouse, you know, father, daughter, son first. And if that's on their mind, they can't give the best to us, and we need their best. So they need to take care of themselves so they can give us their best. And I try to, I try to show that by example. Is I let them know that. Um, Then my hobby's running, so sometimes I'll take off a couple days and make a long weekend and go outside of state for a race, and I tell my staff that that's what I'm doing because I am taking care of myself. That's what brings me joy, and so I try to make sure that they try to find something that brings them joy. Um, Nine is we start to stay with a smile and pass it on, and, again, I try to lead by example on this one of making sure that we, you know, focus on the positive and we smile at everyone and that's how we greet people. And even on the phone, I tell them, when you, if you're the one who picks up the phone, make sure you have a smile because they, people can hear it. And then ten, in all things, we presume positive when interacting with others and ourselves. And that actually comes from the adaptive schools, um, presuming positive, um, in meetings. But I try to do that in all situations, and I emphasize that with my staff as well. As it kind of goes back to you know making sure we have a common goal, make sure we you know we all we expect everybody has the best interest of a child's in need at all times, but also with each other, that we have presume positive that we have a good goal in mind, but they may not be the, they may not come to approach it the same way, but they still have that common goal. So those are my top 10 that I could come up with.
0: I'm going to pause for just a minute here and talk about how you can help support the podcast. I learn a ton from doing this podcast, and I know you do too. If you'd like to support me in this, you can become a patron through Patreon. And that would mean the world to me. You can support me for as little as a dollar a month, but anyone who supports me for $5 a month or more will get the transformative principle members only feed, which releases the interviews as I record them rather than on a weekly schedule. If you've binge listened to any of the past episodes of this podcast, this is for you and I know you're going to love it. So you're going to learn as quickly as I learn, and I thank you for supporting me. To become a patron, just go to transformativeprinciple.org, and on the right-hand side, there will be a little button that says Become a Patron. You can click on that and support me. Thank you so much for your support. All right, so number one... Every student has the right to learn, and for me, what that really means is no matter who the kid is, they have a right to be there. They have a right to be in the class and learning, and if we can't find a way to make that happen for them, that's our problem way more than it is their problem, so we need to make sure that we're doing that. So that applies to two different things in my mind. Number one, that applies to a student with disabilities who is really struggling with something or just isn't very good at doing the work, we need to accommodate and and help them be successful. The other way that that applies is if we have a, a teacher who has a problem with a student and just wants to send that student out of class, we don't send students out of class as a normal And so if a kid's not prepared, we help them be prepared. If a kid doesn't know what they're doing, we help them know what they're doing. If a kid's misbehaving in class, we keep them in class and find ways to support them while they're in there. And so that's my my first one. Every student has a right to learn. The other thing I want to say about that is we, when I came to my school, we had a position that was called the in-school suspension aid. And I came from a place where we needed an in-school suspension aid and when I looked at the data here about student discipline I realized there's no way we need that much support here at our school because we just don't have those kinds of of needs and so I got rid of that position and at first that was a pretty difficult thing and people didn't really like that but then we uh we were able to pull through and figure some ways out to make that work and, you know, that definitely, definitely helped. So every student has the right to learn and that is really important. Number two, every student and teacher has the right to feel safe. And for me as a teacher, what happened was my, uh, first year teaching, I had this Native American student in my class and he was much bigger than I was and much more experienced in the way of the world and uh, by that I mean I'm sure that he had been in a few fights because he shared his difficult life at home with me and he, uh, he waited in my classroom one day after school to beat me up and was thankfully able to talk myself out of that situation but I went down to the principal's office afterward and was like brand new first-year teacher all wide-eyed and excited and all of a sudden this kid was ready to fight me and he definitely would have beat me up and uh, I told the principal and she said well that's not appropriate and I have never seen that kid since and you know that totally contradicts my first point of every student has the right to learn and we should keep kids in class as much as possible but at the same time When people can't feel safe, then you can't have them there. So there are times and and situations in which it's appropriate to remove kids from class. But that was a pretty extreme example, and um, that's the only time anybody has ever waited in my classroom after school to beat me up. So I don't think that happens too often, though it might. But um, the third one is everybody is treated with respect and with this one, what I mean is, uh, you know what, let me go back to the, every student and teacher has the right to feel safe. One of the things that I do that I think I may have talked about before is I have these communication cards on my door that, uh, that talk about, they're basically conversation starters and people come and pull the card off and they give it to me and that's how they start a difficult conversation, like talking about money or crises in their personal life or anything like that. And, uh. It's a way to help people feel safe having hard conversations. And I've seen some really awesome things happen because of that. And one of those things is teachers coming in and being in a difficult situation and being able to actually talk about it instead of just holding it in. So I've had numerous times where teachers have thought that I was saying or doing something that I really wasn't. And they they came and, and pulled a card and said, this is what I think is going on. I was able to clarify it and say, well, that's not actually what was happening, and it, this is how it really is. And I was able to give them some feedback on that and and make sure that we were able to communicate effectively. So lots of little things that we do contribute to people feeling safe or feeling unsafe. The third one is everyone is treated with respect. And for me, what that means is that we need to treat everyone with respect to make sure that no matter who they are or what they've done or what their past is, they they deserve to be treated appropriately and treated as though someone cares about them because truly someone does care about them. And this is a place where I bring my faith into this. And we have a song that the kids sing at church that's called I Am a Child of God and every kid can sing that and we believe that every kid is a child of God. And to me that's how I I don't judge and don't hold grudges against people because I know that they, just like me, are a child of God and that means something to me and is a an important thing for me to remember when I'm dealing with people because they're struggling through life just like I am and nobody tries to be a jerk. Nobody tries to be an awful person and sometimes it comes across that way. And when I remember that they are a child of God, then it helps me recognize where they're at, and what they need. Number four is we work hard, we play hard. And this one basically means I am, as much as I can, be 100% focused while I'm at work on work. And when I am not at work, then I try not to focus on work and uh, try to have some balance. One of the other parts of this is it's okay to have fun and it's okay to use work time to have fun and to have a good time, good relationship with people, and to do things that are enjoyable. So it's it's okay to have a Zumba class after school on one day a week or something, or it's okay to, you know, in my last school we had a uh, bunch of backpacks donated to the school, and one of the teachers got in the boxes and waited for people to walk by going to this assembly and the boxes were all stacked in the hall because there's no place else to put them. And as people walked by, he would jump out of the box and surprise them. And it was like a box stacked floor to ceiling. And he'd come out and scare people and lots of fun. And uh we got together and recorded it and set it up so that we had certain people walking by. And just kept on doing it because it was right around the corner so people behind didn't see it. And it was... Just a lot of fun and a great bonding opportunity for our team. So that's number four, we work hard, we play hard. Number five is we articulate why what we're doing is best for kids. And a lot of times we say, well, it's best for kids, and just kind of leave it at that. And we really need to be able to say why it's best for kids. And if we can't say why it's best for kids, then there's a pretty good chance we shouldn't be doing it until we can say why. And because I feel like it, and because I think it is, I don't think are good enough reasons. I think we need to have a better option, a better explanation in place. And if we can't, then we need to go back to the drawing board and we need to figure out what makes it a better, better solution. So it's not good enough to just say it's best for kids. The next one is Um, Open communication solves all problems. And this is one where it's so easy to get lost in the silly stuff that goes on and the things that are not really that important. And it's easy to get caught up in those things and not have them be as insignificant as they truly are. And we often give more credence to these problems that we essentially make up in our own minds. And when we actually stop and talk about that, then we can have some really awesome experiences of shedding those barriers that we have in place, those things that we do to try to make us look or feel or sound better. And we can get away from that and have a, have a much better approach to life if we can openly communicate about those things. So sometimes that's really hard to do because you have to say difficult things to people and that's tough and you know you got to do it though and you got to be able to have those hard conversations and be blunt and say how things are sometimes and most people don't really like doing that and those conversations aren't easy and they typically aren't fun but the reward is so big when you do openly communicate that it's definitely worth it to make the effort to make sure that that happens number seven is we accept everyone and I had a, I think I shared this last week, but had a conversation and somebody said, is it really worth it to provide all the extra services for a severely disabled child? And it it absolutely is. And uh we need to make sure that we are accepting of everyone. And if we can't do that, we're in the wrong business. And so anybody who walks through our doors for as long as they're here, they need to be accepted. They need to be felt, need to be made to feel like they can be comfortable here. And you know, it doesn't matter what is going on in their life, what issues they have. This is a a place where everybody is accepted. And number eight really ties in with that, but I think it takes it to another level. Number seven was we accept everyone. And number eight is we love everyone. And to me, what that looks like is accepting everyone means, yes, you can come and be part of this. Loving everyone means that you actually care about that person as a human being, you care about their success and their failure, and you treat them with respect, you honor them, you care for them, and you go out of your way to serve them because you love them. And going back to my faith thing, I know they're all my brothers and sisters, and so it's easy to love them. And not going in a faith-based way, you love everybody because of the potential that they have inside them. And if you can do that, it's going to make your school better. And I think that Mary is a very good example of that, because uh, we've seen many times how she uh, shares her love for others. And, you know, no matter who you are, you feel like you're special around her and that's a that's a good example of the kind of love that i'm talking about oh number nine is one of my big ones and uh, it's called storylines and i learned this strategy a couple years ago of identifying what storylines are and i want to tell you it has changed my life in very powerful ways i'm sure that you've all had that experience where somebody's walking by or you look at your boss and they give you that look you know the look where you know that you've done something wrong you don't want to have to deal with it because you know they're pissed off and you've really messed up this time and then you start the storyline of oh it's probably about this thing that I did the other day they probably didn't like that or they saw me do this and they probably were upset and we do that all the time way too often and we think that people, especially those in leadership positions over us, are upset about something or are bothered by something. And those of us who are in those leadership positions hopefully realize that that is really just a perception and is usually not the truth. But those storylines can have real impact on people's lives because they get so caught up in them themselves and they think that they are the truth. So what the storyline allows you to do is when you say, to someone, hey, I have a storyline, that essentially gives you permission to say whatever you want because it's your storyline. And they can either confirm that it's true or say that it's not true. And if they confirm that it's true, which is rarely the case, then at least you know that it's true at that point. And if they confirm that it's not true, then you know you don't have to worry about that anymore. And so I make it a point with my staff One of those cards that's on my door is the Storyline card. And when people come and talk to me, they can use the Storyline card. And that means that they can, like I said, pretty much say whatever they want. They can tell me how they're feeling. They can tell me how they think I'm feeling. And then I get to tell them what's really going on. And what's so exciting about that is that I get to say, oh, you know what? You were thinking that I was bothered, that you were, you know, talking... To somebody during staff meeting and I gave you that look I didn't give you that look at all I don't know what you're talking about I didn't mind that you were talking to somebody and you don't need to worry about anything and it can be something as little as that or it can be something as big as the way you've been acting makes me think that you know you don't really think that I'm doing a good job at my job and I, I think I'm not going to get a contract from you and you know, I'm I've started looking for other jobs because I think that and then you can say, well actually no, I I just haven't been spending enough time with you to give you that positive that you need and make sure you know that you are valued and welcome here. So we had a an aide actually who came and talked to me and the assistant principal because he thought that he had done something wrong because he we weren't talking to him every day like we were last year. And we said no you're you're so far off base. It's crazy. We aren't talking to you every day because you don't need us to because you understand what you're doing and you know how to do your job, and you're doing a great job at it and so we don't need to think through every process with you every time something happens. We don't need to go through a big process, and all these student blow ups that were happening last year aren't happening this year because you are doing so good at your job and so you're working with students well and you're doing a a great job and so we're not we're not worried at all about it and so you don't need to feel like you are not doing good things so anyway it was it's a really great thing to be able to use and to say this is what a storyline means and doesn't mean and this is how you can use this in your life and uh it's been monumental for me and has really changed how I communicate with my staff and with a lot of other people, too, because the storyline exists between you and your spouse. It exists between you and your parents, you and your kids, you and your anybody else. You can have these storylines, and when you're actually able to talk about it, it's really great. So that's storylines. definitely one of the most powerful things that I've experienced professionally and made my whole career, because it really does change the trajectory. And then the final one, number 10, is model appropriate work-life balance. And for me, I mentioned it a little bit before, but when I get home, I really need to be home taking care of my family and focusing on them. And when I'm here, I really need to be here taking care of my work family and focusing on them. And I uh, I get up early on Monday mornings and send my weekly newsletter out to everybody uh, so that they have it whatever time they get here and I usually get up at about five so I got up this morning I had to get up a little bit early because I had a (laughs) podcast interview at six so I got up and did that and sent it out to everybody and I really want them to have that in their inbox before the week starts so that when they're when they get here they can read that and get an idea of what's going on the morning of I'm working on changing my process for that so that I can do that one day after school and schedule it to go out and uh, on Monday morning at 6 a.m. so I don't have to actually like get up and do it Monday morning but so that's really the only time that I'm sending emails outside of school time it's really the only time that I'm engaging in work kind of stuff outside of school time I really I really try to put that stuff away I leave my computer at work almost every single day I leave my iPad at work pretty much every single day, and those little things of not being able to have that work come home with me really does do a lot to help me model that appropriate work-life balance. So that's my ten.
5: So my top ten, and it was actually nice being the last one to go because I got to hear and see everybody else's beforehand and really kind of mold what I thought my top ten was, um kind of you know bouncing off ideas of others, but really seeing yay, nay, do I agree, do I disagree? It's not really a agree or disagree, but you know do I believe the same things or have the same top ten list as others, and I think I've got a few that are a little bit different, so number one, respect is shown by all that enter our buildings and This can be tough, um, especially when I'm not in all of my buildings. And so when I hear that kids are being disrespectful or if a parent feels like they weren't respected when they came in, I try to jump on that as quickly as possible and and figure out what happened, how can we correct it, um, because I want everybody to know that we show respect for everyone that comes in our building. Um, teachers to students, students to students, students to teachers, and any community members that come in uh number two ask questions I'm all about asking if you have a question. there are no stupid questions um I know sometimes people think, well, I don't want to ask that, it might sound stupid, or you know I should know this by now, I shouldn't have to ask anymore and i'm I'm a believer in ask the question if you can't if you don't ask the question, you may never get an answer, and so um as rural schools, we kind of pose that when we have staff meetings and different things. you know, ask the questions, let me answer, let me find somebody who can answer let's work together you know to solve solve the problems or issues that we might have. Um, number three, that everyone works together to ensure a safe and comfortable learning environment, and by comfort, I just mean. Comfort to take challenges, to take risks, um, to to give answers that might not be the correct answers, um, to feel that safety and comfort level when they're learning. And that goes for my staff as well when we have staff meetings, um, that we all work together and we all feel safe and comfortable and can ask those questions and can give feedback and not take it personal. Uh, number four, we're data-driven. And so um, taking the time to look at our data, it can be tricky um, for me doing that for eight schools, but I like to have days where they can just dig into their data at each school to really know where their kids are, where they're going, what still needs to be worked on. So I think data, data, data is um, something that's, you know, towards the top of my list. Five, with that, Seeing that each and every student shows success or growth in some aspect every year. And, you know, that could be the littlest success story to, you know, the ones that are growing leaps and bounds. But I want everyone to be able to show success somewhere throughout the year or growth. Six, we're tech enhanced. And I think I chose that word correctly and diligently because I don't think we're tech-centered. I want to say we're tech-enhanced. We use our technology to help benefit our students, to help benefit our own lives and work as we're so, not disconnected, but so far away. We've got so many miles in between all of all of our schools. Um, and so I think we really use the tech to enhance that. We could, you know, get on the phone and call. We could not just be our own little schools in themselves, but I think we really try to use the technology to enhance the skills that we have, enhance the highly qualified teachers that we have, enhance the possibilities for students, all those things. Number seven, everyone's engaged. And this is a big one for me, and I don't think a whole lot of people know this, even though I try to model it every time I go out, and I think my schools know this, but I don't know that the rest of Kodiak knows this or can see this but when i visit a school my absolute non-negotiable is to be fully present unless there is some kind of a life-threatening emergency that i have to take care of i am at that school for that school for those kids for that community that day or two days whatever it is and so i want everyone engaged um every day but that's just my way of showing that when i do come out when i'm with you I'm engaged. I want to know what you're doing. I want to be in the classroom. I want to be focused on what these kids have to say. I want to meet with the parents. So that's a big one for me, um, and trying to model that when I go out is is important. Number eight, that we all work together. Teamwork and team planning every step of the way. Um, Because we're so spread out, we like to think of ourselves as the one one school concept. We like to focus on that mantra, I guess, so that we can feel more connected. And when we come together for staff meetings or professional development, I'm constantly wanting to know what my schools think or, you know, yeah, I want their ideas. I want us all to put it into the into the pot and stir it around, so to speak, and pull out what we can. It takes a lot of thinking outside of the box. I think to teach in rural Alaska and Teamwork and team planning seems to help tremendously in most areas. Nine, that we use constructive feedback to grow. We have, in Kodiak, uh, gone to the Marzano framework for evaluation, and I think it has helped tremendously in giving that constructive, immediate feedback. And so I try to do that for my teachers, I try to do that for staff members, And in doing that, hopefully model that that's what we want to see from them for the students and for the community. So giving and using constructive feedback to grow. And the last one, but not least, that we have fun and enjoy our culture. Um, I was saying at the beginning that this week kind of hits off a lot of our culture weeks around the island. And it's a time when we, we try to celebrate culture throughout the year, but we've got a week at most of the sites that we dedicate strictly to their culture. And they bring in artists from either around the island or in the community itself. Sometimes they bring in artists from across the state. But they focus on what their culture has lived by. So subsistence type things, uh, skin sewing, um, beadwork for the regalia, mass carving. So those kinds of things. And we all get to do it together. They get to do it in a, in an environment Within school, applying standards as as we can, but yet you know bringing in elders and bringing in the community and really having a a whole community affair. and so have fun, enjoy our culture. I guess that's my top ten list.
0: So that was a really neat way to do the core values, very powerful experience to go through. If you join the mastermind. That I offer, you will have an opportunity to do something like that as well. So, if you're interested in joining that, please go to slash mastermind and set up a call with me so that I can help you be the best principal you can be. Also, if you are a aspiring principal, you can join the Transformative Principal Mastermind for admin to be, and then you can establish your core values that will help you in getting the job you desire. Once again, that's transformativeprinciple.org slash mastermind. Transformative Principle is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments,